Hey tribe, welcome to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. Now, here at Word Up, we host a number of different podcast series, including Words Are Matter, Planetary Service Announcements, Witchy Life Hacks, The Conscious Awesome Show with my amazing co-host, Justin Polgar. It's where we play Spot the Propaganda together, and it's where we have high-vibe, deep-diving conversations with amazing humans. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for this week's episode. Have you ever stopped to, to really think about the fact that you cannot spell functional without fun. I know, mind totally blown. We explore this concept in today's Conscious Awesome Show with your host me, Danny Katz, and Justin Frank Polgar. As you are inspired to see our faces and to tune in on the video, head over to our Locals page, consciousawesome.locals.com, which is where we host all our Conscious Awesome videos and live streams, and lots of extra special bonus fun stuff. As well, stock up on your favorite chocolate at yescacao.com. And since we're talking about fun, nab yourself a copy of Danny's transformational coloring book, Yes I Am, which is on sale now. Without further ado, let's have some fun. I'm gonna hit record just for fun and for function. For function. Can't spell function without fun. That is such a great reminder. <laughs> you can't, there's like a song that, that's like one of those things that we could be making a song and teaching children about. You can't, 100%. there's so much, so much work to do for the, so, so much play to be had. In functionality, I, I, it seems like functionality has this very, um, like a minimum viable, kind of the, like the sleekest, most efficient and effective way to do something. Is functionality. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, uh, I feel like that's what's breeded or that's what's conditioned as functionality like if something is too superfluous it's not functional right right it's non-essential it's not essential and and at the same time you can't spell fun can't spell function without fun we, <laughs> we have coded language to help us language is actually here to help us it's true it is true it's cool when everyone knows that and is operating from that i'm so excited for that day <laughs> when language uh when language is truly accepted as our ally yes and utilized as such um, i've been thinking about this um because I, I think about how like people who have uh podcasts or are public speakers or um, people who have the ears and attention of a lot of people uh, and their use of language and the impact 
of one person's language. Because there's a difference when two people are talking and you can feel and see the difference when language has been quantumized, quant quantumed. And <laughs> I, I mean, even like I was watching uh, The High Wire yesterday and I listened with such a discerning ear to what people are doing with their message and how they're elevating it or really shooting themselves in the foot. Mm, clear, cancel, delete. How they're <laughs> tying their shoes together and trying to run. It's a little gentler. Um, and it, it just keeps going back to children. There's just so much more potential in starting with a blank slate. Yes. Yeah, well, and there's, we don't have to undo. It's so much more efficient. It's so much more fun, functional. It's just, it's just more fun. <laughs> it's more fun to play with children as they optimize and learn their language in such a way that it paints the world for them in a way they're, they're going to do a better job at creating the world that we all want. Well, they're seeding like every next generations like they take what came before and then they up level like that's how it always goes so since the children are seeding it makes sense to put a lot of care and attention and love and fun into those seeds and that seeding process did, did i tell you um did i tell you how we're teaching orion to uh like instead of saying oh no or oops, or, you know, when something happens that's different than what we anticipated. Like, you know, if you spill something or drop something. Did I tell you what we say? You? <laughs> or, yeah, or when he pees in the, on the floor and smiles at me. Like, look what I can do. <laughs> We've, we have now when he will spill something or, or do something, he says, Wahiguru. Wahiguru. That's so amazing. <laughs> it, I mean, it was such a, it's like, I'm going to teach him. Like, he's going to do what I do. So if he does, if he spills something or breaks something, and I say, oh, no, or oh, shit, or whatever I say, he's going, oh, that's, that's the appropriate response. So instead saying, Wahiguru, all light comes from darkness. It's like, oh, something happened, and light can come from this way better. And he just sounds also very cute, like, uh, you know, a 21, 22-month-old saying, well, hey, guru, <laughs> it's gentler well, on me. Well, and programming that into the field, because I imagine he says that a lot. Mm -hmm. And he will continue to say that through his whole life. So it's such a great imprinting for the collective field and also on his nervous system because the, the effects on the nervous system of that no in a little sensitive growing being, like that um, is way better served with Waheguru. <laughs> it's, a, it's a more functional boundary to create because it actually gives a path forward as opposed to stopping the action, stopping what happens. And it's also way more fun, hence functional. functional. We know something's we, functional when it's fun. <laughs> you know, I, I thought that we were going to be talking about self-judgment today, but it seems a little bit more organic that we talk about putting the fun in functional. It does seem to be happening, and you are a purveyor 
creator alchemist of functional chocolate. Well, it's very on my mind. It's very much in my do-do. And there was a moment when we were contemplating that as part of our tagline, putting the fun and functional. Because truly, uh, at least in, in food, there's something a little bit sterile about the functional category. A little mm-hmm. bit. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so very Asprey, that like, I am optimal human. Yeah. <laughs> optimal human. Which right, to me... Sorry. If when I see someone who's operating like a robot, mind-driven, no feeling body, don't need that, it's in the way. The, when I see that, I'm not jumping into this. I want that. I would like to experience that. Um, I've had that experience of going to the Bulletproof Cafe in Santa Monica. Is it Santa Monica or Venice? Somewhere over there on the west side. Venice. I think it's Venice. Um, I've had that experience of going there and being fascinated by the dominance of mind because everyone's so jacked up on bulletproof coffees and their minds are operating and they've got all this fat flowing through, which is, you know, buffering the mind and the conversations that I've had and I've also eavesdropped on are other planet terror. They're under, they're extraterrestrial. <laughs> totally, totally. I know yeah. that vibration. Yeah, there's it's it's a it's not a holistic conversation. Exactly, exactly. It's very compartmentalized. I feel that a lot with also like Ken Wilber's work in the in you know when it's like that very heady sort of masculine spiritual. Um, stuff. <laughs> uh, stuff. That, what's that appropriate word? Stuff. Yeah. It's interesting to me, though, that some hyper-intellectualizing of things is very engaging to me. Like, for example, Dark Horse Podcast. Right. <clears throat> we'll just give a nod, because they're probably listening. Oh, totally. Although... Full transparency, I uh, turned off episode 35 minutes in. It just hit a vibrational distortion that wasn't aligned for me. And the way that they're talking about the whole racial conversation is so brilliant and so spot on. And I love it. I haven't actually found that that type of conversation, that depth and richness of the intellect. That's not solamente intellect. It's not, uh, it's, there's a compassionate intellect in it. Right. They're very heart-centered, embodied, like emotionally intelligent. It's a, it's a really smart, high-vibe um, lens on culture. Yeah, I'm appreciating that. So there's, there's that. There's that. Uh, that's a more functional. It's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. I would say it's functional, yeah. Everyone has their blind spots, you know? Indeed. Maybe we have i mean we have some blind spots that we're also really good at using our our reflection to call to call in like even when we talk about the efficacy the functionality of having this as as a video podcast um and some of the the pitfalls of that you know i was was actually i was talking to jason rebel about this because in his podcast um this might get uncomfortable. 
which is a good name for a podcast. Great name. Great Gives name. them a lot of bandwidth for talking about things. Um, in, a, in this video, you can see yourself, right? You have like a little a video. And when we're talking in person, I don't also see me. Even if it's in my peripheral, I'm mostly just looking at your lovely sun, your lovely stunners, your stunners. <laughs> and but my peripheral vision is taking in all kinds of information and informing the way that I that I meet the moment. Um, I almost I wonder if I can. Yeah, I don't can know if I can. Oh, I can hide self view. Yes, yes, yes. Hello and welcome to the Conscious Awesome Show with your co-hosts, Justin Polgar and Danny Katz. Uh, you will know the difference between us if you're watching this on video. Danny Katz is wearing the stunners, those shades. I, I just, I'm so grateful how easy it is to pay attention to everything that you're saying today because of the peachy, rosy, pinkish hue of your sweater matched with your glasses. Conscious Awesome. I'm so glad that you're joining us for this, the 16th, no, 17th episode. We had our sweet 16. Now we have a sweet 17. Kind of an odd year. It is literally an odd number. So welcome. Songs. Say again. There are multiple songs about 17. Who tell it's me? in the realm of rock and roll where there's that like shitty 80s she's only 17 like pedophile song but then there's also stevie nicks edge of 17 Ooh, that's such a good name edge of 17 yeah 17 is an interesting one that's also the uh in the in the dao de jing it is the stanza about leadership and the uh the noble leadership of leading uh, of giving the people who are following you the experience of being leaders by virtue of how you are leading. Does that make sense? It's not like a beloved leader. It's not like he, this person, he, she is our leader and we love them. It's that I have the opportunity to lead and there's this being entity that's almost invisible that's holding the container for that. 17 is powerful. Super powerful. I love that. So this is show 17. This is show 17. 17 is also the, the letter Q in the alphabet, which is the first letter in the word question. So important. So important. I Questioning. Love the quality of the questions, the quality of the life, as your mentor gifted our conscious awesome tribe. It's a... Uh, it's a lot to be grateful for here by virtue of the questioning and we don't shy away from questioning here thank you for joining us we encourage you we implore invite you to question deeply widely and mm, instead of fearlessly how about courageously question well yes. languaged my friend justin thank you dk it means a lot coming from you, quantum language specialist, um, <laughs> expert in her field. Um, so we've had a, a little bit of a bounce around for topics, a little bit. 
woke up this morning thinking that the topic was going to be judgment. That was very a wide, it's a very wide topic. And then I thought, let's put the word self in front of judgment because there's a lot of juice in that. There's a lot of juice. There's a lot of feedback loops, like, you know, uh, tracking how I self judge myself by how I project on other people, certain expectations that there's that whole thing to manana. However, I think we've stumbled on something a little bit more organic, organically stumbled on something more organic, which is putting the fun in functional. How do you feel about that? Um, I love it. Anything fun pretty much has, has traction for me. And it's what we've been talking about all morning. And you are a functional chocolate maestro alchemist. So it just feels very alive and very pertinent. And also a key. It feels like a magic key mm-hmm. for our fellow brothers and sisters to play with right now. So that's so key. That's so key. Thank you, DK. Uh, And yes, I am a functional chocolate alchemist. I like to put the fun in function. Then there, for for me to be engaged, there has to be a level of levity or some type of expansive quality, something giddy, fun. I learn a lot better when I'm having fun. It patterns in much deeper. Absolutely. And it's also, for me, it makes it easier to be generative when it's fun, you know, to create and to brave the unknown, to bring out new treasures and collaborate and whatnot. Like there's a fuel to fun. Yeah, It's like a, there's an energetic currency to it. Like your cup, my cup is getting filled while I'm also giving. Right. In the, within the fun nature. So much in those three letters, so much in it. And making something functional just gives a vector, gives a direction to the fun, right? So when we're having fun and it is within a purpose or there's a pure pose in the fun, that becomes functional. Ooh, so that brings in the structure that you had mentioned earlier, that like, that's what I got from Vector is like functional is creating a structure for the fun to move through. I like this. I like what we're creating here. This is off the, this is, this is, what do you call it? This is fresh. This is fresh, yo. Um, okay, so fun, the vector of fun creates function and function What's the relationship of function and structure? Well, vector was, I was equating with structure. So take like functional chocolate. It's like you're taking, I guess the chocolate would act as the structure for the fun and the functional and the optimal alchemization to move through. Yes. Uh, yeah. The yeah. chocolate is the delivery system. The chocolate is the is the structure it's the vehicle the vector is the is the is the functional right so whatever we're programming into the chocolate Mm -hmm. that is the functional and that's guided by the fun like that's what 
allows it to take shape in this dimensional realm. It comes through the energy of the fun. Yeah, there, there. I, I find myself when I'm explaining this to people because I'm uh, in the realm of commerce. It's not usually up on the high priority, like the fun piece or the levity, and which you know a lot of people have affinity with the animals, the totem animals that we that we have um, on our chocolate bars and our wrappers. And there was a conversation about removing them because they weren't functional in the, uh, they weren't like a necessity. It was like a little extra, but I, I didn't, I thought that that would be removing a certain personality or a certain essence um, of getting people to have fun and open. Cause there is a little bit more of a, sometimes a lot more of a, of an open and receptiveness when something feels more approachable, more fun, has more, more doorways. You know, like this owl here. It's a fun owl. I love that you put up the owl because as soon as you mentioned totem animals, the first animal that popped in was the owl. Which is not usually associated with fun. I mean, you know, but not like a, the owl has this uh, animal medicine, a spirit animal medicine of deception and discernment and being able to see through lies. Um, the wise old owl, the owl is at night, it functions in the darkness. It doesn't, I mean, I guess owls can turn their heads all the way around. That's fun. Um, I think it's fun. I mean, I know that that owls sometimes get a bad rap. They're considered a bad omen. And I think it's the Lakota tradition and probably some, a bunch of other indigenous traditions. And um, I think just the fact that they strike such a so strong response in people. Like for me, when I see an owl, it's a thing. It's like, a <gasps> I saw an owl. So that right there is fun because it's, it's like novelty. It's an interesting dynamic. I'm into it. I think they get a bad rap in the same way a lot of like Plutonian energies, Scorpionic energies. And I feel like that, yeah, they're, they're just being marginalized, like keep people away from the fecund, like interesting, creative energy that lies there for us. Indeed. I feel lucky when I see an owl. Like I, th I consider it an omen. I had this epic experience. You wanna trade owl stories? Totally. <laughs> had this epic experience driving at night on Highway 1. And I was driving with my friend Elliot. And we're chatting and talking about stuff. And we're driving south. It's like one of those times where we like left at 10 p.m. to drive to Los Angeles. And even though it was a, like a five-hour drive, it didn't matter. Like It was just kind of a, let's do this right now. And as we're driving... And it's dark. It's like no other lights. It's like very, very dark. Into our headlight, into the periphery of our headlight, swoops in this white owl. Actually, let me, let me reverse a little bit. As we're driving, we see a rabbit on the road ahead. And you know, when, when we're driving and you see a rabbit, you're like, okay, bud, uh, I'm going to need you to like get out of the road, choose a direction, uh, don't just stay there. 
And as and there's like a slowing down, the car slowed down a little bit to allow a little more time for the rabbit to decide what it was gonna do. And in that, like, whoa, and we started to both say, whoa, and a, a white owl swoops into the periphery, grabs the rabbit, claw, like saw the talon just whoosh, and just, you know, full wing. And though that like, whoa, of like fear for the rabbit turned to a, whoa. I mean, it was like, that's such a memorable moment of engagement with owl and the like that fierce and the timing of it it was almost like we were in some type of competition for the for the prey it was very powerful wow that was way better than like having an espresso shot or uh like a another cup of mate for the drive that gave us a lot of <laughs> that gave us a lot of juju yeah, and just energy adrenaline Whew. Yeah, and lucky, like the omen of seeing nature in its very raw form in that way. The timing that, like all of the factors that converged for that one moment. Amazing. It changed my life. <laughs> Probably, I more that. ways than I, I'm, I'm learning that more and more so. Um, I feel like you have a really good owl story, at least. <laughs> Okay, no pressure. So, <laughs> the owl story that came to mind is so adorable <laughs> compared to your owl story. This is great. This is the this is the wide spectrum of the owl that is not relegated to some darkness or some. The, we're talking about because you know, we went fun and owl and functional, and now the owl is a is a wide reaching. It's a whole being in itself. Um, I was unpacking a couple art things here in my new space and I had a little owl painting and I, I felt completely flummoxed as to where it was going to go. And I was giving a massage um, to a friend of mine and noticing that I already had an owl up. And so... I was like, oh, obviously these owls are meant to book in. Like, it's so clear, it's so yay. And then um, before I went to bed, I got a text from a friend who said he was gonna be passing through town early in the morning, sometime between like eight and nine and, you know, stop by for a visit. So at six in the morning, I was meditating and I heard a knock at the door. And I thought, that's it's pretty early, but it's possible. So I got up and I opened the door and there was a baby owl feather on my doorstep <laughs> and he came later <laughs> it wasn't hit it wasn't from him because he came later yeah he came hours later but i thought the knock at the door was him which was the only reason why i got up to answer it and there was like this beautiful like right it it was so fresh like right there waiting for me is it just lives in the mystery of how that arrived there exactly so owly Exactly. <laughs> They're so fun that way. They are. They are fun. They allow us to live in the question. Thank you, owls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a... For the, for the chocolate totem, that one's the golden chocolate, which is all about brain, it's brain food. It's brain power. It's turmeric and bacopa and lion's mane mushroom and ginkgo and basically opening up that 
the ability for the mind to make connections. Kind of like re regenerating the tissue on the dendrites, getting your nerve synapse to more healthily arc into where it needs to go, uh, where they need to go. On a mass scale, we're talking about hundreds of millions of these operations all happening together, which is such a symphony that we have going on in our minds, uh, which, is, which are about associative memory and short-term memory and being able to not only know people's names and where you put your keys, but also just to be able to function in like a very practical way. And uh, so we chose the owl because of its ability to track and to hold such a wide, it's, I mean, it's, it's the wise owl, but there's something magical about the way that the owl presents itself in culture that gives it an allure and that there's a magic, there's a magic to it. So I wanted the brain to be programmed with that magic of possibility. It, what I get from it, it all, as well is like, because of the owl's ability to spin its head around, I get full access to the mind instead of just using anywhere from like seven to 15% to, to be able to access the entire spectrum of power there. Yeah, it's super potent. Super fun. It's, uh, do you know the history or do you know where that comes from? Wait, what did you say? I said it's really good chocolate. <laughs> it's also really good chocolate. It will help you do all of those things. Um, yeah, I, I, I think about that percentage of brain use. I think that's such an interesting, I don't know how we're measuring that. Do you know, have you looked into that at all? I don't know how they measure that. Excuse I mean, me. I would have less you. I can make some stuff, but I actually don't know. And as well, I rarely, when I hear science present limiting percentages or statistics, I don't really give them much attention. Like it's within some context. Like that's true within this logic set. Right. Okay. Because I imagine through the day, at least the way that I imagine it, is through the day we use different amounts of our brain depending on what we're engaging with. I imagine well, that when we're in a fun space, we have a different quality of what that percentage, you know, maybe it's a, a 3% piece or a 30% piece is actually more active. It's not, a, it's just not two dimensional. That's the thing. It's not two dimensional. It's not even three dimensional. So as far as what they're measuring, my sense is that, that they're, picking up a tiny spectrum of what and how the brain is functioning. And I think it's like fractal and multidimensional and probably not even really measurable. And perhaps it has like the rest of this universe and the color example we presented earlier, maybe the absence of activity in the brain is the full usage of the brain. Like, Whoa! because we're measuring a certain type of electricity in the brain, for example, like in an MFRI. M M MFRI? No. What are those tests? MRI? And FMRI. Okay. Sound right? Well, there's a certain measuring of of activity. Uh, but maybe that activity is actually resistance. Maybe that's maybe it's that's not the rest of it is all working and that's what's being held aside. We just don't I, know. That makes more sense though, given that like invisible potential is so much more measurably dense than material reality. Yes. 
like that would seem to apply then to every aspect of reality. I'm not a physicist. It just seems. I'm not a physicist either, but I do <laughs> like to postulate. I do like to think about alternative views on what we have as basically I like to question assumptions and we have so many assumptions to question all the time. There's absolutely that. And I also think there's something to our commitment to exploration of ever more expansive levels of consciousness gives us um, like the knowledge of an explorer and adventurer. So it's not a physicist per se, but I like we're absolutely studying and examining ontological reality uh, on the regular. Indeed, indeed, our mission as we choose to accept it. It sounds like you might be reading a little bit of David Martin. Honestly, <laughs> I, I only read the introduction, which was so powerful. Just how this man lives an authentic life, just taking that little piece in, I'm still processing and I'm also racing to finish the book that your brother, my doctor, loaned me, <laughs> How to Think Big, um, such uh, that yes. I can read it in a respectful time period. It's very functional of you to complete a book and then start, before starting the next one, though to bait your interest with the intro which I also agree was a fantastic intro. It got me very excited about the book. I don't always read intros to books. I really? will sometimes like graze through them. I will graze, oh. like just kind of pick. I don't always. Um, As a writer of books, I'm just. Sometimes they're not that engaging or I'll start to read it and I'm just like, I mean, here's an interesting piece. I want to give love and appreciation to people in, in the acknowledgments section. And unless they, I have some context of why they're being thanked or what role they played in the creation of the book, I'm like just reading names that I have no context for. I feel that acknowledgments are generally at the end. Mm -hmm. And there's no wrong way to read a book at all. You can start in the middle, you start at the end, that's fine. And for me, similarly to when, like, you know, the new Fiona Apple album, which I love, I made a point to listen in the order that she put the songs because I want to trust in the creative person's vision, in the artist's vision, and go on their journey with them. And I just feel like it's a way to make the most because they've put so much love into it and they're my best guide. So for me personally, I choose to trust that and have the most authentic experience close to what they were choosing to create as possible. There's a lot of intention that goes into the order that a book is created from front page all the way, from front cover all the way, even the art on the front cover. Yep. Um, which is why I always read the very last sentence first. No, I'm just no. kidding. I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> nah no um no I'm, I'm i just commented on the the way that you were speaking to the ontological perception and the engagement of reality just a couple minutes ago it sounds very much in line with how david martin is explaining his viewpoint on on life which the the book which we'll put a little link to um i also have the book i've had two people come through and stay at my house for 
um, like a couple of days and dive face in deep. Like both of them read more of the book than I have had the opportunity to read. Um, and the, the book is called Lizards Eat Butterflies, The Antidote to the Self-Help Addiction. It's a very catchy title. It is. Um, and it delivers. So far. How deep in are you? Three chapters. Oh. I mean, I think there's, yeah. there's, there's quite a few chapters. Mm -hmm. I'm only... Is it the type of book that you can just plow through, or do you need to take time to apply what he's sharing? I personally have gotten to the end of a chapter and then had so much mental stimulation that I put the book down and then I give myself a day or I sleep on it and just see where, like for example, there's a whole piece about the word from and our obsession of where things come from in order to define them so that we can feel more comfortable in how to position our relatedness towards something. And it just found it's the basis for so much of assumptions in reality is where something comes from. Oh, now I understand it. Not the case. So, um, yeah, that was the kind of thing where I wanted to sit back and think about all of my assumed froms mm -hmm. just personally. You know, when I'm, when I'm having a conversation with someone that I've just met and I'm telling them stories about who I have been in the past, there, as opposed to just being who I am in the present, I'm creating anchors for me to be more like who I have been and less room for me to evolve into who I am becoming. Totally. There's, totally. A, time and, there's a time and place for stories. And when we first meet someone, sometimes I think that I do it for, for ego stoke or so that the person likes me or thinks that I'm interesting. Um, and I have awesome stories and I love sharing stories. And I also would like to think that my best stories are yet to come. I trust that that is so. Thank you. That's a good, that's a good thing about writing stories. I found, um, is it gives me an outlet for them. And then, I mean, it's just more fun going back to fun and putting the fun in functional. I find socializing, it's more fun to just be present and uh, be curious about other people and leave my stories behind and be able to just be available for the authentic energy that's there. Mm -hmm. And like what's gonna be honestly like most fun, most functional, most optimal for the situation. So you can really arrive and be medicine for the moment. Yes, and also to relate authentically, because if I'm meeting someone for the first time, I don't know what our authentic alchemy is. If I bring my past in, it's, it's just more interesting to see, okay, what is here now? And sometimes that's an inquiry into them. But um, yeah, just to play more with the people who I'm blessed to be sharing time space with in the moment. I have uh, great reference points with people who I have met and had deep, awesome present conversations with that may last like half an hour or an hour and then get to this place where I'm like, Oh yeah, what's your name? Right? I love those. I love totally. when we can just dive so deep into the presence of someone else that all of that stuff doesn't actually matter. We're actually just in the currency of relatedness. Right. And I find a lot of times that happens with sharing in and being like, 
like what is happening in the moment versus in a social situation, bringing our like resume to the table and what we do, what we've done, you know, it's just like what's happening here now. There's something interesting about the level of functionality of bringing our resume to a new relationship or to a meeting or to whatnot, uh, to an interview even. Uh, by bringing our resume, there's a functionality in that, not emphasis on the fun part necessarily. And there's, there, are, um, there are higher levels of functionality, which I think the impression that you can make on someone in, by being present is such a contrast to what is generally presented. I remember like in my first job interview, I remember my first job interview, I, I didn't talk about who I've been. Even though questions were given to me about who I've been, I kept pivoting the conversation to talk about what is to be, uh, which was a little confusing for the interviewer, way fun for me, and also very engaging. Like the, It left this mystery of, okay, well, well, let me schedule your second interview. Mm-hmm. Because there was like, I haven't figured this person out and can then put them in the box of where I want you to put them. No, no, no. I want more. What is there? You know, there's... There's a storyteller in that. Yeah. Clever. Clever monkey, you. I am. I like to play with people. I do. (laughs) I like putting the fun in functional. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there could be some, could be something about eating a lot of chocolate, functional chocolate. If I am what I eat and I am how I eat, then. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be leading with fun and being also functional. So maybe there is something about the structure that, that I'm living authentically into. Maybe I give a little bit more love and a little bit more appreciation for the structure that is existing. Have gratitude for what is and then allow that structure to evolve into more fun and more function. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whenever I hear you talk about Orion and parenting, like that, you seem to me to be like a shiny example of functional parenting because regardless of what happens, like you're always attuned to the fun so that when he's peeing on the floor, you're just in a vibration that smooths the whole thing out in the best of of ways in growth experiences. I, I also, I'm like, I acknowledge also that that makes the contrast of when I'm not in a fun space, which definitely happens. Like when I'm really frustrated with him, say like at 3.30 in the morning or something like that, and he wants to play and is just so not interested in going back to sleep. He's also not at the age where I can just say, have fun and play. <laughs> I'm going back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, that the contrast of that because i'm looking for like how can i make this fun and welcoming and permission based so as to steer the energy into you know into where i want it to go um yeah i have some i have some patience learning lessons to do when my guard is down mm-hmm. yeah but for the most part for the most part i'm doing a fucking awesome job yeah you are yeah thank you on behalf of humanity and planet earth for seeding such amazing humanity it's important it's um 
in some ways it's one of the more important things I can be doing. It really keeps me on my game. Yeah. It's the modeling. So um, what are we going to do to assist the seeding of the new generations, the next generations with fun and functional? Like what are, what are some things that we can do aside from uh, being an activated parent? Um, like what are some examples of things that our listeners and ourselves can do that are um, seeding the future with more availability for fun and functional? Aside from eating more yes cacao chocolate, obviously that will work. And I also, I'm curious like how our listeners, viewers are um, seeding functionality into our world and their daily lives. Like it's always helpful to have more, more tools and techniques and, you know, to be nimble with our functionality. So like, like your chocolate is a great superhero tool, you know, different meditations or just different like mind hacks as we move through the day. Um, I'm welcoming of more, more functionality tools. I have a really good new one that I'm excited to share just to, to give our listeners, viewers, a little something, a little extra value. I was in uh, the world and having a moment of feeling like too empathic and like, I don't want to feel this for the collective. And then I thought, aha, I can just dial down my empathy to only 20%. And I'm like, let's dial down that. And then let's dial up the fun 80% more. And it was so helpful, not just dialing it down, the empathy piece and like being empowered of like, I don't have to feel everything all the time, but then to give it a replacement, you know, like you do with Orion, like steer him into something instead of just being like, no, um, to give it the fun. It's like a godsend right now. Great, great functionality tool. Yeah, I, I would like to play. I know you mentioned that, uh, that you've been playing with that. Uh, and it's come into my awareness a couple of times just going out into the world. And it really changes at the end of the errands or the tasks that I, I have, the amount of energy and also the release of tension. My nervous system is really appreciating that hack yeah. big time. Thank you, nervous system. Thank you, nervous system. This podcast has really uh, served my nervous system well. Excellent. I'm going to also, I agree with you for my, I look forward to this. I do. I do. Thank you, DK. This is a fun and functional episode. Indeed it was. Thank you, Justin. Um, to our viewers, our listeners, thanks for coming along. Episode 17. Next week, for us, we'll be recording next week. We have episode 18 which is gonna, it's so exciting. The number 18 gives me tickles. I, I know all the reasons why. I mean, I know a couple of reasons why. Definitely We're, not all. We'll get into it. Uh, join us for the next episode as well. We'll, we'll be sure to blow your mind. Well, at least <laughs> blow, we'll blow our own minds and you can witness it and hopefully your empathy, <laughs> even though dialed to 20% will, <laughs> allow for reception in these ways. <laughs> awesome. uh -huh. Oh, thank you.
Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like to share it with your nearest and dearest. And remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. We'll see you soon, tribe. <laughs>